it's ambitious to say, this is how I want to feel. But we pretend, or I was pretending, let me speak for myself, that that was actually true. And it's there was so much heat underneath that, that without the structure of the day job and with the support of someone who was happy to help me explore that and realize that it's safe to actually be vulnerable enough to feel these things that I was avoiding, got me to this place of, of honesty. On this episode of The Creator Community, we'll meet Neelam Patel, a creative soul that left a successful corporate career in technology to follow her passion for art and creation. We'll learn how Neelam found the courage to leave the comfort of a traditional career and the many twists and turns her life has taken. We'll follow her journey of self-discovery, how she came to appreciate and learn from her rage rather than avoid it, and what led her to her new book, Burning It Down, Dancing in the Rubble, a collection of poems. Check out the show. Welcome to the third season of the Creator Community. This is a podcast series from book publisher New Degree Press, or NDP. I'm your host, John Saunders, founder of Forward Advisory Solutions. This show is designed to celebrate, elevate, and showcase many of the incredible authors that have published their books with NDP. This year, 2021, NDP will cross over 1,000 published authors. In this show, we get to know the authors and their books, as well as give you a behind-the-scenes look at their journey. We'll find out what it takes to bring a book from idea to being available wherever you buy books online. It's no easy task, nothing worth it ever is. But with solid structure, coaching, and community, it's very much attainable. Today, I have with me Neela Patel. Neela is an artist who burned it down after a 22-plus year career in tech to pursue the creative life of her dreams. Her goal is to normalize vulnerability through poetry, to create deeper connections, and ultimately build the communities of our dreams. Fun fact, she learned to swim as an adult. <laughs> Following her creative dreams, she just published her first book, a collection of poems, Burning It Down, Dancing in the Rubble. Neelam's book has a mid-December 2021 target publishing date and will be available wherever you buy books online. Neelam, welcome to the show. Thank you. So good to be here, John. What a pleasure to have you. You know, this has been such an interesting journey for you and a unique one in that, you know, not a lot of poets, not a lot of poets come through this program, but let's start from the beginning. You know, after 22 years working in corporate America and having a successful career, what moved you to burn it all down? I would say it was a slow burn at first. <laughs> so when I first realized that my job wasn't giving me the fulfillment I wanted, I tried different things and all of those things sort of summarized into creative expression. And at some point I would even take acting classes and I took improv classes. And the more I took improv classes, the more I was showing up as my full self, even in the day job. Now, the benefit of that was that it meant I was continuing to get promoted because I would do better being able to cut through all of the noise and say what's going on and also get it all done so that I can get to rehearsal, right? So so both were kind of building steam at the same time. And so at that point, then the justifications would come in. Well, at least the day, day job is paying for my art. And you know, and I would get a lot of praise for that. And I have this people pleasing, pleasing habit where I kind of enjoyed it, if I were to be honest. Oh, I've never met someone I'd hear who can do both, you know, and taking both seriously. And then I would keep promising myself that every December, like, I'm going to quit this December. 
And you know how people have like the Sunday night blues? I think I would get the December doomsday feeling or something where I'm like, it's been another year and you didn't do it. And at some point, I think I realized that if I were to listen to my justifications, like this is good, you can still be an artist in your job. You can be creative in your job. I realized that I was just massaging something that wasn't meant to be. And at some point I just realized that the square peg in the round hole was just too painful. And um, I realized I was meant for something else and that there was never going to be a right time. There was just never going to be because December kept coming. So that's, that's where it led me to. So fascinating that so many times in our lives and our careers, and certainly I have stories like this in my own where when I tried something outside of my career, particularly a creative pursuit, which I did in my own journey, it helped me get better at my all aspects of my life, particularly my traditional career. So that's fascinating. You sort of pushed on these two things, saw this parallel track of success happening. We're getting rewarded in both departments, but then decided to chase your, your passion after all, which is just fantastic. So burning it all down, Neelam, what is that really like? It's a good question. It's a lot different than I expected. So the, the greatest part of it was the sense of relief. And that's when I knew I made the right choice. No matter how hard this was going to be, this was the right choice. And, and the visceral feeling I had was like, I think I always had this like yapping dog in the back of my mind because I really did, wasn't made for this particular type of job. I was really working hard to construct myself to get it done, you know, and I was smart enough, intelligent enough to do it. So that was a relief. And and the other part that was great was that I could follow my curiosities. So kind of like, it was no longer bad to just Google something and read about it and learn about it. You know, it was something I was doing, trying to develop who I was. Now, the part that surprised me, what is it really like, is facing all of the things that you're able to escape because you have a day job structure. And there was a grief that I, I felt about losing the day job and, and the grief I felt of any time that I've lost my job. So in this case, I planned to burn it down and then I got laid off during COVID. So it kind of forced the issue for me. And I had to grieve that. I had to deal with the fact of losing a job and any time that's happened in the past. So, and then through that sadness was this sense of respect for myself and for my career. So I had then gratitude for the person I was who went through these acts, who did all these things. And I wasn't able to see that when I was in it and fighting it, you know? And so it was a lot of things. I, I still remember nine months in, I had to stop, take a walk. I was like, what is this feeling coming over me? And I had to like continue burning it down. It was like watching another tree had to fall in this, in this you know, change I was making where I just had to sit and feel the sadness of the old structures going away. Well, it's what you knew, right? And it's what we're all supposed to do. Get a job at some big company and work there for 10, 20, 30 years, whatever it is, right? It's sort of what we feel like we go to college and then you go do that, right? And, you know, you saw this change, COVID sort of forced this change upon you, although you wanted it. So, you know, I guess careful what you wish for sometimes, right? And, and then yeah. there there it was. But fascinating how, how you live to this, you know, sort of emotional journey, much like when we lose anything, we grieve and have to process it. And it sounds like you found, you know, ways to do that. You know, what do you think your key element to processing that was? What what helped you get through it? I, I think if I were to be honest about like the work behind the work, I did hire a therapist because I knew that to your point, I'm so glad you brought up the fact of like, you do the things you should do because I knew those forces were so powerful for me that I needed help to navigate that. Not someone to tell me, follow your dreams or tell me, get your job, but to help me understand what I wanted. And I found a great one who can 
stay neutral in that regard because those pressures are high. So especially for someone who comes from a different culture or an immigrant experience, you know, being a good Indian daughter is always so important to me. And by really looking at things and really facing my shame about no longer being in those, you know, tried and true professionals, doctor, lawyer, engineer, my version of that was a corporate career in tech. And to really to really lean into that shame was was able to give me more room to see, wait, I can be a good Indian daughter in a different way. And that was really hard. And to really sit with that discomfort was what got me through it. Wow. And so getting some professional help, certainly understandable. And it sounds like you made great progress that. So leaning into that shame, that was the feeling you were feeling, you know, how did your friends and family react to this big change you brought? Yeah, it's so interesting. I think that was one of the most fascinating things when I announced it, right? It's like, to my friends, um, most of my friends, almost all of them were like, oh, finally, you know, <laughs> I think maybe they were tired of hearing my every December, you know, I'm going to do it. And I think of my friends were happy for me that they're like, you know, this is who you are. This is how you show up in the world already. This is how we identify you. Now, my family has been super supportive. And I think the difference, though, is that there's a lot of confusion there because I am now living in a space of the unknown. It's not like I did a thing where I'm like, okay, well, now I want to be a nutrition coach and I'm going to get a nutrition degree and then I'm going to get some clients and then, I'm, you know, this is a more of an unknown. I'm going to create my own way. So there's confusion. And so it's actually causing a deepening in our relationship, my relationship with my parents, because we really have to look at this together. The confusion is causing a deepening in your relationship. Is it because you're trying to work through it as a team, as a partnership? Is that what I'm hearing? Well, more that more that when the questions come up, like, hey, are you looking for a job or what's going on? You know, they see they they're supportive in that they see that I'm happy and I know that's important to them. And but the, with the confusion, it means, yeah, that I'm expressing. Here's my plan. Here's my version of a plan. And it may not hold salt in someone else's eyes, in their eyes, as, you know, people who see the world in a certain way. And I think the piece that I'm I'm feeling, honoring that, you know, my dad, who's been my inspiration, to be honest, you know, because I've gone through all of this, I can see that he was the one who caused me to create curiosity with everything that I do. Anytime I brought a subject to him home from school, you know, for homework, it was always a different perspective or look at it this way or look at it that way. And I have to admit that that's exactly what I do when I write poetry. So, you know, I think the deepening I'm talking about from the confusion, as odd as that might seem, is forcing me to think about in this discomfort of disagreement, where is my truth? Where is my gratitude? Where is my connection that I can live off of and feed off of? Otherwise, I'll be in a tension of anger, you know, and and I think that that would hurt me in the end. That is fascinating. He said, what, what kind of work does your father do? He's an engineer. <laughs> yeah. So uh, forever curious and always looking at things from different angles, trying to figure out how to make it work. And he he brought that gift to you. I think curiosity is such a, a powerful gift to, to give to kids. That is awesome. And I'd love that as you've gone through this, no doubt challenging and confusing journey, as you've described it, you know, it's brought you closer together and working on this project together, if you will. And it sounds yeah. like you're finding your way. One way you found a great way forward is putting this book together, you know, this collection of poems and love to for, to hear more about your author journey. How did that come to be? Yeah, we'll have to start way back in time when I was uh, going to my first open mic night. And this was when I was feeling my first hint of tension or something going on at work where it wasn't fulfilling me. So we're still I'm, working in corporate America. 
still working in yeah. corporate America um, at Network Solutions at the time, in fact, their domain name provider for those in the know. And uh, at that time, I went to Barnes & Noble. There was a sign that said, open mic poetry. And I had been working with a coach about, you know, why is why can't I find my gripping at work? And she had said, you have a lot to say and say in public. I saw this sign. I'm like, that looks like talking in public. <laughs> so <it's> so <laughs> desperate. And so I came home, wrote, scribbled something in a notebook and showed up by myself without really telling any of my friends because I was like, what is this weird thing that I'm doing? Although subconsciously, I mean, if I were to be honest, probably I knew that this was interesting to me, but logically I couldn't, I couldn't move myself to go there and admit that because that would, that would break too many of the constructions I had going on. And so I showed up and my hands were shaking and I say this poem, it's called Nationhood. And actually the, in the, that poem is in my book. So that makes me really happy that the core of the poem that's in the book is something that started from the first day. And then I would say that that moment when I realized that this was it was probably the moment that I sat down after saying my first poem. And when I sat down, I had this like immediate visceral feeling, which I still have every time I share a poem, which was like, I'm never going to do that again. It was so, it was so vulnerable. And it's like, you just put all this stuff out there, like here are my organs. And then you don't know what's going to happen next. And that's super frightening. But back then when I sat down, I had that feeling and equally strong was this feeling that I found home. Wow. So leaning into this discomfort, which was this creative journey outside of your normal life that you've known for you know years working in a big company, you found your space and as uncomfortable as it made you feel, you you knew it was home. I love that. I think I think it was David Letterman I heard once say, he said, as soon as I stop feeling comfortable with my job, I know it's time to quit. Mm. Or I stop feeling discomfort with my job, it's time to yeah, quit. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like you had a similar experience. So yeah. when you think about burning it down, right? A collection of poems, right? Some people don't often think about poetry, although it's making a comeback. And we'll talk about that a little bit as well, certainly. But you know, what was your why behind putting this book together? Why did you have to get this book out there? Yeah, I would poems. say... Yeah, selection of poems. So I think it's a two-part question, right? Like you're asking why poetry and then why this book of poems, right? So why poetry would be that I think I'm a poet and I, you know, and and the, and that gets to the heart of whatever it is I'm feeling. So I'm someone who has lots of conflicting feelings. Anyone who knows me knows like I'm this, I, I have a strong feeling about this and I have a, and I have a different feeling about the same thing. And so how do I get to the core of it? And that is through listening to what's going on inside. And that comes out in images for me. And I think it's a really good question for someone like me who really has this people-pleasing problem. And so when I first thought, maybe I'll write a book, maybe I should write a book, I started writing a novel. Because when I went to the bookstore, there were these best-selling novels. And so I wrote three paragraphs of a novel once, sent it to my friend Andrea at work in another day job in tech. And she read it and she liked it. She gave me comments. And then I talked to her about it and I said it was a novel. And she's like, oh, I thought they were poems. So I think that's when I was like, okay, I understood this about myself, that if I'm going to write a book, it will be a, poet, a poetry book, but I still had this doubt that anyone wanted to read it. And now that um, poetry is making it into the mainstream, it kind of gave me that opening to do that. And, th and then the second part of the question is like, why this book? And why did I write it? And I would say that I wrote it for myself because when I, when I left the job, um, or left the career, I would say I was on social media a lot, listening to inspirational talks, and I was feeling left out. So inspirational talks would make me feel empowered, 
of course, like, hey, I used to be so ashamed of my culture and now I'm so proud of it. I'm grateful for it. But, you know, I was somewhere in the middle and I felt like shame that I felt shamed, like, oh, I should be over here. And and that was causing tension to something I was trying to do, which is release myself after this day job. And so I realized that I was in the middle and that the light was not going to be at the end of any tunnel and that the light is right here in the middle, wherever we are in full acceptance. And then I realized that we're all in the middle. There's nowhere else that we are. And so I really wanted to open that up for myself and hopefully it will do that for others. The light is not at the end of the tunnel. It's in the middle. I love that. And that's where we all live, right? And it's not always so pretty. It's oftentimes messy and a little chaotic, but I really appreciate the fact that you've found a way to to live in it and find your own journey and and found a way to create self-care for yourself. And I think that's a pretty big theme in your book. Uh, You know, what do you think you've learned about self-care through this experience? Yeah, I think self-care is something that is important in two ways. One is that it can be an everyday, all the time thing. What I found about self-care was really tuning into the radar of where I am in my day and that that was almost enough. So if I wake up and do a gratitude journal or meditation or something where I can get somewhat grounded or at least in tune with who I am, where I am in the world, that makes sense. So in other words, I'm not being captured by the to-do list. I'm not being captured by something else. I know that there's some sanity in the middle. Then all day, my practice of self-care is just noticing, oh, you're off you're off on that center. We'll have to get back. Or, hey, you're eating a bunch of junk food. Like that doesn't feel very centered, but I'm aware of it. And I think that's the most you can ask for in this chaos. And so I think self-care has to do with moment to moment. And you can slow your breathing down. You can on purpose say, okay, I'm going to do four counts in, four counts out while I make my coffee. So there's this integration factor that I found out was really important to me. And, and then in terms of integration, I would say one other thing that I learned to do was integrate things into, this is going to sound very intimate and personal, but as I'm taking a shower, for example, if I'm washing my hair, I've decided that on purpose, I will give myself a moment that while I'm washing my hair with the shampoo, I'll say, please forgive me. I'm sorry. And I'll just repeat that because I think there's this thing about being in good standing with yourself that's really important and that you don't know where you've let yourself down or not acknowledged where you've let yourself down. And then when I put the conditioner in, I then say something like, I love you, thank you. I love you, thank you. And just a little slight moment of intimacy in your day can go a long way to say, hey, I'm here. I'm here and I see you. And really, that's the most I can ask for in my self-care instead of turning it into a a thing that I can't even understand. And the second part I have to admit is once you create that kind of safety, self-care also means discomfort. So then you're really being honest about your feelings. You're making space for rage. You're making space for shame. And then you have to care for yourself as you feel through those things. So it's just keeping that radar on. How do we keep that radar on to know what we need? I really like that analogy, a radar. And to me, it sounds a lot about taking the time to be honest with yourself and, you know, living in that moment of whatever's going on in your life, if it's eating Doritos or feeling shame or feeling happy and, and feeling grateful. And what a powerful exercise to go through every day to take those moments to just have that awareness of what's going on in my life and how do I face today, given those circumstances. You know, you mentioned rage in there and some of your poems center around rage, right? How has rage played a role in your life and your journey? And Boy, how do you how do you manage it? That's a tricky one. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think if I, if I may, I'd like to adjust that because I think because we talk about managing anger, we talk about managing rage, we get inside of ourselves that really could then get in the way of the process. Because my goal in this poetry book was not to manage anything, not to control anything and not to coach anyone to get anywhere. And so without those goals in mind, I was here for the expression of it. So with rage, I found that I wasn't even letting myself feel moments of anger during my day. That's what I learned during writing this poetry book. Once I opened that door to rage, you know, it kept opening. And I realized that me getting in the way of feeling rage, instead of feeling angry at someone, I would just start being nice to them because I didn't know what to do with all of those feelings. And so if in my privacy, I could, I have a poem called Red. And in it, you know, we go all the way into rage. We open the door wide open and I have murderous thoughts about someone, specific ways I'm going to murder someone. Now, not, those not me, things, right? Not you. <laughs> okay. Not yet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but, but there's there's a beauty in all of this because it's when I let it go fully out that I can then see my place in the situation. Oh, that was probably me. But without that, it's just constantly this radiation going to that person. So having released that, ironically leaning into it is actually the door to getting out of it but you don't go with that with that intent your intent is to hurt the person you know in your mind in your imagination and once you're honest about that true raw intention then you can actually open the door to understanding more about what's going on and then in this poem for example I talk about that that rage shower if you will and then afterwards you wrap yourself in the terry cloth of sanity because you're not going crazy you're actually going insane. So leaning more deeply into your most, dare I say, severe emotions and emotional journeys that you have throughout a day, a week, you actually find greater self-awareness and the ability to look at it more objectively and, and better understand it. That's fascinating. How did you think, you, how, how did that discovery come to you? That's really interesting to me. I think that when I didn't have my job, I was, I was finding moments in my childhood that I was angry about. Like, why can't I be an artist or why this, or why did my mom say this? Or why did this happen? You know, and I didn't know I was carrying all of that because during my day job and early in my day job, I would have a lot of travel to do and I was creating cool experiences all the time. I always had a good story to tell after vacation. So I wasn't really feeling these things. I didn't even know I had them. I was just like, oh yeah, you know, things aren't perfect, but it's fine, you know? And, and, and saying something like things aren't perfect, but it's fine. And I'm grateful for these things. It's probably true, but it's also a desire. It's ambitious to say, this is how I want to feel. But we pretend, or I was pretending, let me speak for myself, that that was actually true. And it's there was so much heat underneath that, that without the structure of the day job and with the support of someone who was happy to help me explore that and realize that it's safe to actually be vulnerable enough to feel these things that I was avoiding, got me to this place of, of honesty that I can walk through my day and say, you know what, not everyone pleases me and that's okay. <laughs> what a great, what a, uh, I mean, honestly, how many of us can say that out loud and, and having that just awareness and, and through this reflection and time you've taken to lean into your feelings, it seems like it's given you much greater awareness about you and sort of your spot on the planet and allowed you to be more comfortable with it, which is fantastic. Right. It, you talked in there a little bit about these different energies we have throughout the day. And you've talked about masculine and feminine energy in some of your work. How did you discover this idea? And, you know, how has it helped you or, or been meaningful to you? Yeah, that's such a great follow-up question because that's exactly what the rage feels very masculine. And I was hiding a lot of my, let's call it masculinity, which is that energy of 
decision and power and and not caring what other people feel, but still expressing myself fully. And how do I do that safely, right? And so I have a, a poem that really goes into my rage from the past called This Time I'm a Dragon. And what happens is I go back and reflect on work conversations. There's three of them, but one of them is, for example, that I was outside of a conference room at work and there was someone who took me aside and he said, Neelam, you're making everyone else look bad. You're overprepared. And in the poem, I mean, in real, li- in real life, I had taken that note and said, oh my gosh, I'm that person who's making everyone uncomfortable. So then I did like 80% of my work and I kind of got along and just didn't show up prepared or, or something. And it was very uncomfortable. But in the poem, I say, this time I'm a dragon and I come in and I rage at this person. And do I want to do that in real life? No, but I am expressing my truth and my honesty in this poem. And so what that's gotten me is is that I can give you a real life example from this week. So I'm working on my book cover and the designer came back with options that I didn't understand why would someone do this, right? So I let myself privately have the rage where before I would just start you know, being like, oh, let's keep this, let's do this and not really get to where I'm going. I was wouldn't be very clear because all this anger is brewing, but I don't call it anger, you know? So this time I let myself get angry, probably not murderously rageful, but but it's all in the same spectrum, it's the same vibe. And then I was able to say, okay, what do I need? And I clearly listed what I needed, what I was seeing, what I wasn't seeing, what I was seeing, what I wasn't seeing. And then here are some ideas to get there. And he wrote a comment back saying, this is the best instructions or feedback I've gotten, not just from this program, but any time in my life. And I was like, thank you, Rage. You know, so that masculine <laughs> vibe, right? And I, and I call it Rage, but it's, it's a spectrum of like di- discomfort or something that's unpleasing, you know? And it, it kind of got me there to speak clearly about what I wanted without offending anybody, right? So maybe this collection of poems is a thank you letter to rage. Is that what I'm hearing? (laughs) I think so, actually. (laughs) Beautiful rage. I'm going to change my title. (laughs) It really is. And then, you know, and then the feminine energy, I have to give it credit here because in order to feel my rage, I have to feel safe. It is, people say rage is this like active, like thing. But in order for me personally, in my experience to feel rage, I have to feel super safe that no one's going to get hurt that I've never actually murdered anyone before. You know, I have to create this sense of safety and that the person I'm rageful at isn't going to die. And, you know, I have to create this real, like, cushiony place of vulnerability in order to to be rageful. And I really respect that femininity as well. And I have a poem in the book about a river, which, which represents my femininity. And this river remains a river by ma- while making room for the rocks and the stones and the leaves and the human bodies and the crocodile teeth. Like it's still a river. It gets to remain a river despite anyone that comes in its way kind of moves with it. And these two energies, this, I need to do something and be something. And this, I would just want to be are both valid energies that are totally opposing but we are big enough to contain both. And I think that's the learning from the book that you can have, you can have rage for your father and you can be deeply gratitude, have deep gratitude for your father. But the second you don't let yourself really feel the rage because you're just, oh, well, you know, he's my dad. And then, then that gratitude is not sufficient either. It's kind of at the surface. So to really go there, you have to really express your your anger, your rage, your masculine vibes, and then you can really feel your vulnerability. They work together. 
That is fascinating. So finding balance between the two has been part of your journey of self-discovery and living with your emotions and facing them and really figuring out more closely who you are. And, and that's, that's what I'm hearing, which is really interesting. And thinking about, for those maybe who don't know about this masculine feminine energy concept, that it's not about a man or a woman, it's different types right. of energy, right? It could be either gender as you're, as you're yeah. sharing here. So many stories about this emotional journey and this life journey you've been on and living in the moment and the now and having this self-awareness, you know, are there poets out there that have inspired you? Yeah, inspired I would you? say the first authors, sorry to interrupt you. I get so excited about this question because I love the poets that I love, right? And when I was in college, I took a random poetry class because you had to, and it was British poets from the 19th century. And I fell in love with Yeats and Wordsworth and Blake. And these poets I loved because they talk about this, this combination of energies and find, finding peace in them instead of, instead of holistic structure of good and bad. And I found that to be so beautiful and vibrant and almost resonated with Eastern philosophy. So I found that really fascinating. And then currently the poets that I'm reading are the ones that are just brutally honest about things. I used to really shy away from that. I just wanted inspirational poets. And now I'm like, no, wait, where's the truth? And so the latest poet that I've kind of submerged myself with is Marge Piercy. And she wrote a book called The Moon is Always Female and goes into the strength and vulnerability of women. And really the, what I love about her is she talks about how vulnerability is really hard. And I don't think a lot of people talk about the dangers of vulnerability. That is a dangerous place, right? Because you're putting yourself out there and when you're vulnerable, you can get hurt. And I call it in one of my poems, I call it like hitchhiking with your soft thumb out. And like, I don't know if you're going to run me over with a truck, but I'm going to put myself out there because that's how dangerous it feels. You're on the side of a highway. Wow. You know, thinking about this journey and writing the book and I did you know, working on poetry, even back in college, you know, how do you think this book has changed you? And have there been any unexpected positives for you in, in this journey? Yeah, I would say, well, through this program, I would say I learned that you don't have to write a book by yourself. And that was huge because I am much better in community and in conversation. And so just that switch in the mind of, oh, just because someone says that they're going to write a book doesn't mean they're going to sit in a room and do it by themselves. And that actually sounds really daunting and boring, right? And so there was a time when I was on a Zoom call where we had like Zoom study halls that we can like write together and keep each other accountable. And I wrote in the chat, like, hey, I'm writing a poem. It's about like something that's desirable, but you feel ashamed of it. And so it's like this mixed thing that's good and bad. What are some ideas? And people gave me these brilliant ideas. And the one I used was actually from someone else. And it was a chocolate covered rat. So it was this combination of something that's desirable and also just feeling disgusting at the same time. And I know, I know. Uh, so community I learned was really important, not only important, but also an option. And then the other thing that surprised me was that you don't need to know everything to write a book. In fact, what you do need is a question. And I think this book changed me in that I'm more able to live in question rather than I've got the right answer and this is how you do it. And this is why I'm writing a book because I know something. And it's like, this is why I'm writing a book because I don't know something. And to, there's a freedom in saying, I just don't know. Let's figure it out. What's fascinating about the, the book journey and how this coaching program goes about it, certainly I, right, I went through it myself, is that many people I think are intimidated to write a book because they think, what do I have to say? Or how, what's, why is my story so interesting? And what this program I think has taught all of us is that 
writing the book is a journey of learning. And in fact, most of us, as you just explained and myself included, you know, the, the book changed as you learned and grew and took made some pivots along the way and made it ended up making, making it even better. So thank you for sharing that. Any unexpected positives for you coming out of this? That Yeah, uh, I think I got this confidence in writing that I didn't know I would have. And in fact, it's, it's feel, I have also a poetry business where I really want to create more vulnerable moments in the world. So for special occasions, I will write a custom poem. And so what, with this confidence I got from writing the book, I know I just interviewed someone two weeks ago about her mother's birthday. And as you know, intimidating as that is writing that's the whole story, thinking and feeling about what images come up. I'm like, I look at these five pages of notes and images that came up. Like, is there going to be a poem? Like she just paid me a lot of money, you know, but from doing this program, there was a confidence I built that I'm like, I don't know what that is. It's going to be a hot mess at first, but I'm going to get a poem out of this because of this constant writing journey that I've been on fed by the community. The community structure, the support, and and knowing that it's not a perfect journey and there's going to be iteration involved. And it certainly sounds like you've embraced that fully and, and have come out with a successful and beautiful book we're going to see here soon. You know, this year, poetry took a big turn. Amanda Gorman, of course, did a poetry reading at Joe Biden's inaugurational speech. You know, her message for the world was we need to have greater unity and come together. You know, what's your message with, with your book? You know, it's full acceptance that wherever you are, if we accept where we are, then we're further along than we think. It's it's that tension that we build about not accepting it, fighting it, and I should be somewhere else that causes pain upon pain. So my message is full acceptance. Let's give it a try. Full acceptance. Live your truth. Be your be yourself. You know, and I, I, you had a great quote from the Washington Post about your book here that you found early praise for: powerful poetry, optimistic rebel. How did it make you feel to get that note back from the post? That's fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Oh, it was it was so exciting. In fact, that's the write-up. It's actually from one of my one-woman shows that I did while I had the day job. And all the poems from that show are in the book. And it made me feel seen that, oh, someone gets it, you know? And that was, that was really cool because I was just doing it because I wanted to. And then to see someone else reflect that back was just a really cool moment. That is incredible. You know, one one quick ep- excerpt from your book that I read that really got my attention. I want to live like I just picked an apple off a tree. I planted myself and ate it whole, red skin, seed and all. I just wanted to be a little dangerous. And it sounds like you've certainly lived a dangerous life and how you've gone about your journey, but done it with a great deal of self-reflection and awareness. But what, what did that quote mean to you? What did that, that line mean to you? I think it was a, a predecessor to this need for feeling my rage because it really, by living dangerously, it means I'm going to have something to say. And so that's what that meant to me. And then, and then eating an apple off a tree I grew myself is I want to create a life myself and enjoy it. And that is definitely the ambition here. I love that. Neelam Patel, Burning It Down, Dancing in the Rubble will be available this December, 2021, wherever you buy books online. Neelam, if people want to learn more about you and your book, where might they go find more information about you? Great. They can go to the Tailored Poetry website. So that's tailoredpoetry.com. And if you want to find me on Instagram, I'd love to have you. That's at Dance with Neelam. Awesome. Your Instagram page is so much fun. Love the awesome stuff you put out there. Neelam, thank you so much for being on the show. Pleasure to have you here today. Thank you. This was so fun, as always. Pleasure is all mine. I'm your host of the creative community, John Saunders. Keep moving forward.